Christmas, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Julie, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 15th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 11, on the first paragraph, To Christ I Conceded. Today's readers are Kimmy, Helena, Penny C., Susan C. The reference number for Tuesday, January 14th, is 5770. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Susie Kay to read the 12 steps. Good morning. I'm Susie Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader, and these are the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Susie. I will now ask Lauren to read the 12 traditions. Okay, Lauren S. Pittsburgh, recovered compulsive overeater. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be anonymous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group 
ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks. Thank you, Lauren. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 11, paragraph, the first paragraph, To Christ I Conceded. And I will now ask Kimmy to begin reading. Thank you, Julie. Hi, my name is Kimmy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Connecticut. To Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teaching most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. And actually, unfortunately, I hear a crying baby inside. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kimmy. Uh, would anyone like to share on that paragraph? Lauren S. from Pittsburgh. Okay, Lauren, go ahead. Ooh. Okay. Um I jumped right in. Hi, Lauren S. Pittsburgh, recovered, compulsive overeater. Short little guy, but um, again, we are now in Bill's recovery. Starting on page 9. And as we go through from page 9 to 16, I was directed in my big book study to underline anything that I find that I am not willing to do, but Bill did to recover. That gives me hope because I have underlined things throughout these paragraphs. Not too much, but I underlined things, and yet I recovered. I recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of my mind and of my body. I recovered. 
in this paragraph, I did not underline anything, but I can now see that I had prejudices against the word Christ because the religion that I was brought up in, I did not feel like it allowed me to devote my life to a personal God, as we read in the previous paragraph, a personal God um, who is, I wrote, I have written at the top of my book, um, Webster's Unabridged Dictionary describes personal God as a human-like, self-conscious being, as a personal God. So page 11, I could have underlined this. I did not when I was going through the work in March. I adopted this part which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I discarded. I heard people say in the rooms, take what you want and leave the rest. And I also heard a recovered man speaking on the book saying, when people say that, it pertains to step two. It doesn't pertain to the directions for step four and step nine and step six and seven. It pertains to a conception of your higher power. And that's what I did. When I entered, I had trouble reading the traditions and the steps because I couldn't read the word him without him and her because I was so prejudiced. But I said, Lauren, I want to get recovered. I want to get recovered. I want to get recovered. So I have to leave the rest. I have to leave the word him and just substitute it. And that's what I did at the time. And now my higher power constitutes him and her. It it doesn't have any prejudice or limits. But at the time, I had to disregard those barriers to me, which were certain words, which were certain words like Christ. Um, So if that helps you, the book tells you. Go ahead and leave Leave that. Leave the rest. Uh, thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Hey, Kim, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I have to say this is a powerful paragraph because this is when I read this after I crawled into OA one more time, coming back from yet another relapse. And when someone gave me a different perspective on this paragraph, the lights came on in my head. So I'm going to read it the way that, that it really hit me. It says, instead of Christ, I used the 12 steps. So to the 12 steps, I conceded the certainty of a great program but not too closely followed by those who claimed him, by those who I saw in the room. The moral teaching, most excellent. But for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I disregarded. So I would leave the rooms of OA and come back and think, well, OA doesn't work. Those 12 steps don't work. And in my defense, you know, I saw a lot of people in the rooms not following the 12 steps. I went into rooms where it was mostly dieting with support. Do enough tools and come into the meetings and we'll love you until you love yourself. And if you come into this meeting, we're going to make you feel better so tonight you won't binge. And that was the meeting, that was the message I heard. So I was, of course, confused because I would look at those steps on the wall 
and read them and think they're not working, did I ever actually work the steps? You know, when we say at many meetings, keep coming back, it works if you work it. What is it? It, for me, many years was getting the right sponsor, going to enough meetings, getting the right food plan. Ironically, we come to a 12-step program to work the 12 steps. And if I wasn't working them according to the directions, why should I be getting the results? So I took what was convenient. You know, maybe going to meetings that I thought the people were kind of cool, if it was at a convenient time. You know, I only sponsored people that I could relate to. I only returned phone calls when it was convenient. You know, my food plan, oh my goodness, that was always just a topsy-turvy thing of just trying to find the right potion to make me feel better. And if I did not do the program according to the clear-cut directions that are in here, then why would I be getting the results that are promised throughout this book? You know, we're told in in how it works in two different places. You know, the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Half-measured availed us nothing. We're told in there is a solution that middle-of-the-road solutions will not work. So as a compulsive overeater, if I go to a vending machine and my favorite binge food is a dollar, what do I think is going to happen if I put in 30 cents? Am I hoping that 30 cents of my binge food is going to come out? No. I can put in 70 cents. I can put in 99 cents. And I accept the fact that my binge food is going to stay in that vending machine. And if I really want that binge food, I'm going to crawl around my couch and look for spare change. I'm going to go in my car and go between the cushions. And I'm going to ask complete strangers for some extra change because I want that binge food. And yet when it comes to the program of recovery, I put in a 30% effort and think I should get a 30% return. Heck, I'm even willing to put a 70% effort in if I get a 40% return. But the fact is, if we don't do this 100%, the result will be nil, because half measures availed us nothing. And just the way that I would crawl around in the couch and I would ask complete strangers for spare change, I need to be that willing to seek this recovery. I know right now people are really desperate for sponsors, and unfortunately the health of this fellowship is is such that you may not find a sponsor for a while. But we have access to these recordings, you have access to recovered people, and more importantly, you have access to this book. Get into the book. Ask questions. Move yourself forward. Because my experience means nothing to you. Hopefully it will inspire you to walk through this book so you can have your own experience. So read this. I'm going to read it one more time. It's for people who are coming back again. To, to OA, to, to the 12 steps, I conceded the certainty of a great program, but not too closely followed by those who claim them. The moral teaching most excellent before myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I disregarded. And I beg of you to look at that and see if you need to make some changes in order to to pursue this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Uh, This is Janice. Hi, Janice. Go ahead. 
Well, good morning to you, Julie, and vision for you. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Just briefly, now we know we're in Bill's story, and Bill is between step one and step two. So what I see here is that, you know, he gets irritated. He gets irritated with the word God. He gets irritated with the word Christ. He gets irritated in his mind in his mind, because his mind is still somewhat closed. So what I see here is, you know, he, he's, he's coming, he's going to come too pretty soon, but at this stage of the game, he's still closed-minded. And we know in step two, it takes an open mind, because step two doesn't tell us who to believe, what to believe, how he's supposed to believe, because he knows that his, his problem was lack of power. And, uh, you know, and Abby sits before him and talks about religion, so there, there he goes again. Before he gets into the spirituality, you know, in the steps, he's still, still closed-minded. And I think that uh, when I was closed-minded, I took what I liked and, and, and debated, and there's no room for debate. So he's, you know, um, he's got to open his mind. That's what I see here, and he's going to come to do that because we know that. Um, and I had to have an open mind because um, I either opened my mind to these steps, to the second step, or I'm going to continue in my disease with my own power, you know, or I pick up the spiritual tools later on. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share before we move on? Okay, Helena, would you please read the next paragraph? Good morning, this is Helena in South Jersey. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether on balance the religions of mankind had done any good. Judging from what I'd seen in Europe and since, the power of God in human affairs was negligible. The brotherhood of man, a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. I'd like to share just a little on this paragraph, and a bit on the one before. Um, this is a man who is dying of alcohol. He knows he is powerless, and he knows he's going to die, and he's just drowning himself in drink. And he is a cynical, intelligent man who has come to the conclusion that Religious people, he has, he has picked on the worst of what he has seen in religion, and he has seen terrible things in war, and he knows that he himself is not connected to any kind of God. And he has written extensively about this in the chapter, We Agnostics, in which he says over and over that we too have felt these things. We have come into this program with prejudices. For me, my prejudices were that there was only one kind of God, the one I had been taught about, and there was only one name for God, the name I'd been given, and only one book about him, and the book that I had been reading all my life and been instructed was God's will for me. And yet that power was not great enough. I too had to lay aside prejudice. Um, Bill W. will tell us in We Agnostics, how over and over again we were focused on the negativity of religion, the negativity of people who had faith. 
when we should have been looking to see that many of them were living good, useful lives. This is definitely a very cynical man. Um, I am impressed, however, with the way that the last few um, paragraphs have been going on about his childhood faith, which he had to leave behind. And in the next page, uh, Ebby is going to suggest to him a way to come to a fresh understanding of God that will allow him to set aside prejudice. But this is the first time that Bill has mentioned Christ. It has been indicated, perhaps, that he was Christian prior to that. But Bill is not interested in talking about specifics. We don't really know from reading his story uh, what faith he was brought up in, other than it does seem to have been a Christian faith, because he talks about a preacher and other things like that. And I think that's very instructive to me, too. I do not need to, when I share on this line or in a meeting, be specific about who my higher power is. I can speak in the same kind of generalities that Bill does. I don't need to talk about my experiences of a specific church and the teachings of that church. I do not need to mention the name of the church in which I grew up. Neither did Bill. The point is simply to say that we were, we had prejudices one way or the other, whether against God or for a specific kind of faith in God. And we had to lay those aside. We had to lay aside our cynical way of dissecting everything that we didn't agree with or that we didn't understand. And we agnostics does a marvelous job of that. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? This is Lois. Hi, Lois. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Julie. Yeah, good morning, everyone. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts. And um, I can relate so closely to this paragraph where we where, that just described Bill's thinking. And this is where Bill, of course, had been presented with Ebby in a in a very different frame of mind from which he had known him, <coughs> which had happened to me as well. But um, I, he was still in his disease, and this reminds me, this jumps out to me when I was first presented with um, recovering people. I had gone to a meeting, and, um, and I heard and, and felt and noticed what, what was going on there. But I and learned about you know, some of the steps that, that could help me. And, and my disease had taken over more and more of me. You know, I'd lost... I'd lost who I was, my, my values, my hopes, my dreams. You know, I'd, I'd given up because uh, nothing I did had ever worked. You know, no matter what I did, I couldn't stop eating. No matter what I did, my, my head was full of um, hurt, anger, resentment, and absolutely no hope in anything. I had given up hope. I didn't really want to be, I didn't want to be disappointed again. I couldn't hope. So I relate so closely to this, where my disease had done this, and um, and I was at you know I was at a ch- changing point, a threshold, where I was introduced to people who were recovering and recovered, and and I was afraid to hope, and I remember clinging to you know some of the phrases they said, you know, just keep coming, keep coming. And I had no other choice, so I kept going. But also, one day at a time, believe that I believe and bring the body and the mind will follow. And just like the big book, you know, just keep coming and just have the, uh, have a, try to have a, a, 
just open the door a little bit so that willingness could come in. And this is the point where I believe Bill is Bill is right now. And I too had been at that point. And um, we'll we'll discover more how how Bill will go on to recover and um, how you t- you can you may as well. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Lois. Would anyone else like to share? Press star one to unmute. Okay, Penny C, would you please read the next paragraph? Good morning. My name is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. But my friend sat before me, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. That that uh, phrase that God had done for him what he could not do for himself, that that is so, so meaningful for me because, you know, I, I look back over so many times in my life where I thought I could control other people, control my situation, and all, all and, and especially what I didn't know then was my disease. I knew that I couldn't stop eating, but did not know it was a disease. And I, but I thought it was all about willpower. I was told that, you know, when I when I dieted and I did a good job of losing tons of weight, but it, but you know, it never lasted. It always came right back on. That, you know, people would say when I was thin. Oh, you have such willpower. But when I was fat again, nobody ever mentioned, oh, what happened to your willpower? And today I can say when people see what I eat, especially if I'm out to eat with any anyone else that doesn't understand, uh, you know, my disease, people might still say, oh, you don't eat such and such? And I say, no. Oh, you have such willpower. And my answer now, and sometimes audibly, other times just to myself, I say, no, it's God power, not willpower. No, not mine. It's God power. And it wasn't till I got to OA in the 12 steps that I found a personal God, a God that was interested in my pennies, pennies compulsive overeating, something as seemingly mundane as that, but it meant it, it you know it, it had such power over me, and uh, that no longer is 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 the case. And with that, I'll share. I'll I'll with that I'll pass. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone like to share on that paragraph? Hi, this is Naomi. This Can I share? And Jim. Go ahead, Naomi. Okay, so I had Naomi, and then I had a gentleman. Larry. Larry, and then Janice. Was that Janice? Okay, so Naomi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your service, and thank you for everyone on the line. Um, God had done for me what I was impossible for me to do for myself. 
uh, his human will has failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. How I can relate that to my story was um, I'm recovered, compulsive overeater, by the grace of God, one day at a time. I went as far as having the lap band surgery in 2009 to cure what I thought was my uh, addiction. I didn't know anything about this program. And I had gone to a gastroenterologist, and after gaining four pounds, he was totally disgusted with me. He ordered to have um, an upper GI to make sure the band didn't slip. And he knew I wasn't following any kind of program because my brain was still raging with the food. And I had no idea about what was going on in my body. All I know is I had a lap band that was supposed to cure me. And in the beginning, it worked because I could only have two or three bites of food. But then toward the end, I was able to get around it because I had a disease. And the disease was ruling my body. And I didn't know of any kind of recovery until I came into the doors. And when I first came in, it was like, who are these people? And how do they know what's going on in my body? February 7th, God willing, be three years for me. This is just an amazing program. And if anyone's out there struggling, don't give up. Get your nose in these books and listen to the vision for you every morning, as I do. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And Larry, would you please share? Thank you so much. Um, good morning. This is Larry, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Uh, what my friend said before me, he made the point of declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself, as human will failed. You know, when I read this, a couple of things occur to me. Um, you know, for me, you know, this book is about, um, is about identification. Do I identify in? You know, and um, and and yes, indeed, I, I do identify in. Um, there was a time when when I would hear people talk about the notion of God or higher power that I, I just I couldn't I couldn't grasp it. I, I wanted to. I desperately wanted to. Before I ever came into the program and, and heard the terminology, you know, having with someone else, you know, uh, you know, trying to. Um, to get what someone else has in terms of um, the people that they are and so forth. I, you know, but I, I always felt that when I, I meet somebody and they just had a, you know, gleam in their eyes, they just carried themselves in a certain way with grace and with uh, dignity and honesty and all that stuff. And I, I just wasn't those, you know, I just wasn't. See, this program for me today, because um, he has like to say, I have to look anybody in the eye and say, Yes, God has done for me what I could not do for myself. This program for me is so much more than, than, than about food and binge foods. In fact, the people that I know um, today that have you know really good recovery and are, are, are good people, and I would I don't mean them covered. These people rarely talk about food. It's the most amazing thing. Yet, obviously, like you and me and others, they they certainly you know have had physical recovery, but they talk about higher power. They talk about spirituality. He did a point blank, blank declaration, um, unabashed. You know, he, he just said, and I hear humility in that statement. When I talk to people today, you know, I, I, I really in the past wanted to talk about what Barry's done. After all, in, in the physical realm, it seems as though, seemingly I've been the one that's been doing these things. I've been rowing my boat. I, me, myself, from my glorification, 
no, that's not what I feel. That's not my heart. When I say that God has done for me what I could not do for myself, it's it's not just words. It's a feeling. Behind that is a feeling that there's this power. I don't. I can't explain it. I don't know who this power is precisely. After all, how could I? I'm, I'm a human being. But I do know intuitively that some force has done something for me beyond my power to do for myself. And, uh, and, and with that humility, that tends to resonate with people because they know that it doesn't come from me. You know, and that's the, the problem that I always had. The message that was resonating with me is that, you know, I hear this for the first time. I heard someone say, I had a problem with life, not with food. You know, causes and conditions, yes, that was me. And, and, and uh, what, what I'll say is that today, I, I, I want to help, I, I want to serve, not just in, in fellowship, in my life, as a father, as a, as a, as a, as a brother, as a son. I want to serve, and that's not been my M.O. It's not been my M.O. What can let me get out of it? It's different today, and I got it. The only thing it's, and I'll wrap up, is I don't know why, but it came by working this simple, picked up this simple spiritual toolkit, grudgingly, but I did it, and this has been the result. Thank you, God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Larry. And Janice, would you like to share? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Julie, and thank you, Vision, for you. But my friend, points are well taken, but my friend sat before me. Well, can I identify with that when five years ago I heard a lot of recovered compulsive overeaters on this line. Um, I heard them, and they were talking so different than with than the groups that I was in prior, you know, the rooms that I was in, because you know what? They were proof. They were before me. They were recovered, you know. They sounded so different. Now, Ebby is sitting before, you know, in front of. He's, he's real proof because they drank together. You know, and they, you know, did so many things together that he, he's, he's in a dilemma now. He's saying, gee, I don't understand this, Ebby. You know, him and I, you know, drank, we went on jags, we, um, but, but like myself, he's identifying in that they both, you know, he had admitted complete defeat, but how come it, it you know, I can't do this. Um, so he's in a dilemma. The proof is, sit, is sitting right before him. Um, so he's, um, like I said, back and forth, back and forth. And he's seeing that Ebby has been raised from the dead figuratively. That means he's been reborn. He's a different, different man now. And he's wondering, what, what, what's going on here? He didn't have any power, like myself, when we were drinking. We couldn't stop. And, you know, it's like the newcomer coming into the vision for you. Um, we come here because we have a problem. You don't have a problem. There's no reason to be here. But more importantly, we hear, and, you know, some of us have seen other people, that they have recovered, and that's being reborn. How do they do it? How do they start? What's different about them than just a person that keeps relapsing and relapsing? Well, this is what we hear, and this this is why this group is... is, is, (laughs) um, Somebody needs to unmute Oh, we might have lost Janice. 
Yes, thank you. I am back, and I will pass. That's why I just want to say that this is why this group is divinely inspired. This is what I believe, because there's so many of us. We're coming for the truth. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Uh, This is Julia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I just want to jump in for one second. There is so much in this. Hmm. I don't know if anybody else hears that. Um, this is Sharon Masher. Um, if everybody could check their phone to make sure you're muted, um, because we're having an odd noise. I was just in the middle of a quick share. Um, this paragraph. Julie, star one to unmute, please. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I thought I was talking away. Anyway, I was um, sharing just a little bit on this paragraph um, about complete defeat. You know, that's where I was when uh, I came back in November of 2012. And I love it when he says that he's been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. And, you know, that's that fourth dimension I had always heard about, but I never knew what that meant because I never lived in it. It was a whole other world. And um, I can just relate to that because he talks about um, in this one sentence that he'd been raised from the dead, a level of life. It doesn't say that, oh, he just stopped drinking. He's had that spiritual experience, um, even though Ebby... Um, had a different method, it's still he lived a life differently. And and today, I'm not eating 10,000 calories a day. I'm not controlling everybody and everything in my life. Um, not to say that I don't want to, or I, I, I do it on a smaller scale and I catch it during my review. But I am having a level of life that I never knew that I could have before. And it's only a result of action, action, and action. And, and living um, the life that's described in the in the book. So with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share? This is Kim. Leah. I, okay, Kim and then Leah and then I believe, I think I heard Sharon before. Okay, Kim. Thank you, Julie. Hi, everyone. Again, I just couldn't help it. This is, this is so huge. You know, his human will had failed. He admitted complete defeat. So what is what is the ticket into step two? You know, what allows us to take that conclusion in step two? It's, it's step one. If I still think I have some control, if I still think I have a, a door number three, why would I be open up to a power? So step one is lack of power. That's our dilemma. And step two is we have to find a power greater than ourselves that can help us. So that the sign, my, my friend sat before me and he made the point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. I have to say, you know, in my many, many, many years in LA, I never heard the word recovered. I always heard the word recovering. And when I came into a big book study and I heard that word recovered, it, it kind of struck me as arrogant. It kind of struck me as, you know, these people don't know it. I mean, maybe, maybe with alcohol, but with food, I mean, my God, I have to eat. You know, and 
when I started to study the big book and I understood that recovered, first of all, was not cured. I have an allergy to the body that will always be there. But if I work through these steps and get a relationship with a higher power, God will remove my obsession. And that is what recovered means. So today, I wake up in the morning and what I do is... Um, what I do is I just ask God, how can I be useful? How can I be useful to you and my fellows? And that is all I do. I don't ask God for abstinence. Because when I am in alignment with God, the obsession is removed. I don't need to ask for abstinence. I have parameters around my food plan. I know what triggers the allergy, and I do not eat those foods ever, ever, ever. But my focus is on how I can be one in the world with God's will. God's will first. I don't live life on life's terms today. I live life on God's terms today. So what was it like when I was recovering, which is really a word that was used in the rehab, and that bled into the 12-step rooms. And what I found is that recovered is of God. Recovering is of me. So what did it mean when I was recovering, when I was working a program of abstinence only? I wake up in the morning terrified. Oh, my God, is this going to be the day I'm going to pick up? That old idea of the tiger in the cage and I have to let it out three times a day and the, and the tiger would just be stalking me all day. So I'd get up in the morning and I would do these prayers in desperation. God, I'm powerless. God, I'm powerless. Protect me from all those people that are going to try to make me eat today. And I would have a checklist of all those things I had to do in order to distract myself enough not to eat. Never letting my guard down. Making a certain number of phone calls. Avoiding people, places, and things going to a meeting every night because I only felt safe in the rooms of OA because the rest of the world, those waiters in the restaurants, the grocery store clerks, they were all out to get me and they were all going to try to make me eat my binge food. Those co-workers at work were trying to screw me over. But that is what, that is what um, recovery felt like. I would go to bed exhausted thinking, thank you, God, I beat the food one more day. That is recovering. That is of Kim. That is the misery of working a program of abstinence only. But today, since I walk through the 12 steps and I have a relationship with a higher power, I go to bed at night thanking God for another day, that, another day with the ability to help him, help his children, and be living in a world where I am peaceful and one with my fellows. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And Leah, would you like to share? Thank you so much, Julie, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. But my friend sat before me, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Uh, this is where the identification process is, is so important. I mean, Bill knew Ebby, and Bill knew how Ebby drank, and Bill knew that if Ebby was staying sober, uh, some power greater than Ebby had to be working in Ebby's life. And Bill does not like this idea. We read that he became irritated and his mind snapped shut against such a theory. Um, but Ebby is sitting across the kitchen table as living proof that some power greater than Ebby has restored him. Um, you know, and, and that's what recovered people have to offer today. When we talk to newcomers, when we come on this line in the morning, 
we are living proof that some power greater than a human power is working in our lives also. We are people who, uh, you know, wrap the globe from every, uh, you know, nook and cranny of this nation and numerous countries. Uh, you know, we come together different uh, socioeconomic brackets, different education uh, experiences, uh, you know, different religiosities, you know, we're diverse. We are people who would normally not mix, and yet some power greater than ourselves has restored us to sanity, and whether the newcomer likes it or not is beside the point. We are living proof of it. Ebby's living proof to Bill. You know, he had to recognize that some power greater than Ebby was working in Ebby's life. Um. You know, and, and that's the point that we all have to get to, you know, where we're cornered. You know, if I've placed myself beyond human aid, then even a wonderful fellowship of OA will not bring about the recovery that is necessary for someone like me. If I'm going to recover, the power is going to have to come from a source other than uh, my own human resources and other than any human aid. Um, it goes on to say, like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. I mean, obviously, I, I like Bill, and, you know, had to admit my powerlessness. What was my problem? I had to be clear about what my problem was. Lack of power was my dilemma. I was suffering from a soul sickness. I was suffering from a disease which only a spiritual experience was going to conquer. It manifested itself in my mind and my body. It was like a gangrene of the spirit. I had to be relieved. You know, and luckily, uh, you know, along comes step two. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I had to re reconsider or die. You know, my human re resources as marshaled by my will, and I am a very determined, highly motivated individual. But all those human resources that I could muster up were not sufficient. They had failed utterly, utterly. You know, the same consciousness that had created this problem in my life uh, had to be uh, changed. The same consciousness could not be the same consciousness that was going to solve the problem. When my resistance stopped, God revealed himself to me. I did not have to understand it. You know, when we come to believe in God, we don't have to have any concrete evidence, and we don't have to have any particular feeling about it. It can be, a, you know, just coming from a place of utter defeat and desperation. I made a decision to move towards God, a conclusion of my mind, without any knowledge, without any evidence, without any certainty, and without any particular feeling about it. I was just dying. <laughs> I was dying, you know, through enough suffering and through enough pain and through enough degradation that broke me down. Um, I just threw myself at this program. And what seemed to be the worst moment of my life was yet the beginning of a new life. My journey as a compulsive overeater was either going to take me to two places, suffering and eventual death, or to freedom. There was no door number three. To continue as I was going meant disaster. However, if I embraced a spiritual life, it was going to mean freedom. 
But it all started, it said, he had admitted complete defeat. Unless I humbled myself by taking step one, I did not need the rest of this program. Because if I thought I had the power over this disease, then I did not need to believe in a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. And if I did not believe that I did not need a power greater than myself, then I certainly didn't need the rest of these steps. And I just want to reinforce before I shut up, I did not have to understand it. I did not have to understand God. I did not have to intellectually be able to wrap my brain around it. I was going to experience God as I implemented these steps. And indeed, that was true. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And with Sharon, would you like to share? Uh, Julie, can you hear me? This is Sharon. Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay. And I apologize. I didn't realize that I came in on the line um, while you were speaking, so I apologize for that. But I I did just want to um, share a few things that this paragraph means to me. Um, It's been so wonderful to hear everyone share about it. But uh, when I think of Abby coming to see... um, Bill and they're sitting at the kitchen table. It just uh, reminds me of how I started listening to this meeting. I called a friend that I had known for a long time, and she was on this line, and I knew her personally, so I knew that she had recovery. I knew what this program had done for her. And I was one of those that struggled and struggled, got abstinent, couldn't stay abstinent. And so I did call her, and I was in a very desperate, um, just a very desperate place mentally and physically, and and she mentioned this um, meeting, and I began to listen. And how I identify in is I sit at my kitchen table every morning with my notebook and, and listen, and um, I was just amazed that they were going through the doctor's opinion. This was July of 2012. And all of a sudden, I, it, you know, God just opened up my heart and my eyes, my blind eyes to see um, <clears throat> the, that this was a twofold illness. And, and for some reason, I didn't get that or I didn't take it as seriously as, as it's laid out in the doctor's opinion. And of course, I'd never heard the doctor's opinion uh, laid out like they did on that line, you know, line by line, paragraph by paragraph. And so that was the beginning of a whole new way of life for me and realizing that um, my human willpower was useless and that I needed to do exactly what these other recovered people were sharing on the line, uh, following this book, following the instructions, taking it seriously, um, like I was in in a class, and um, it has made such a difference in my life, and I am so grateful that today I have a hope that I had not had before. It was always, oh, when am I going to fail again? When am I going to fail again? When I was able to get abstinent, and now I have this hope in my heart, and it's not anything to do with me. It's what God's doing for me if I'm willing to do these very simple, basic things on a daily basis to stay recovered one day at a time. And so I'm so grateful to all of you out on the line that uh, have put yourself out there on the line every single day uh, to do service for 
for us, and uh, I just encourage everyone out on the line that um, this made such a difference in my life, and it will in yours as well. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Sharon, and no problem. Um, Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Okay, Susan C., would you like to read um, your paragraph? Sure, give me one moment. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. Thanks so much for your service. Are we up to had this power or that floored me? We are on had this power. Okay, thanks. Had this power originated in him? Obviously it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and that was none at all. Should I go on to the next one or stop there? Uh, No, stop there. Okay. This is Susan C., compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, it's interesting because later on we are going to learn that each one of us has God within us, but my experience and the experience I've heard from others is that that power that resides within each and every one of us is blocked. It's blocked by all the debris and the, and the, the gook <laughs> that, um, that comes from years of, of addiction, from years of resentments, from years of selfishness, from years of fears. And that in order for me to access that power, that I, I love the description that, that irritated Bill so of love, superhuman strength and direction on the page prior, in order for us to access that power, we need to, or at least in my experience, I needed to and am still working these steps uh, in order to to clear the space for that power and um, and that connection to emerge, and what I'm finding is that as I go through this process of recovery, that um, that I'm I'm becoming more comfortable with with the with that which I'm led to in my morning meditation, that those inspiring thoughts, yes, we are, we're told later that at first it can get us into all kinds of trouble, which is why I absolutely check it out with my sponsor or my fellows before taking actions that, are, um, that could potentially be problematic. But I'm finding that the beauty of this program is that while we have no power initially, that we can harness this power of love, superhuman strength and direction, and things can shift. And the last thing I'll say is that, you know, we also learned that self-knowledge availed us nothing. And being someone with a strong psychological bent, it's always been very important to me to find awareness and to explore. But you know what? That never kept me out of the food because what self-knowledge could not give me was power. I remained and still remain powerless, 
but with God's direction and love and strength, I can make, I have the power of choice today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Susan. Um, we have time for one um, share. Would anyone like to share? This is Pat. I'd like to share. Okay, Pat, go ahead. Uh, thank you. Hi, I'm Pat. Um, I am a newly recovered compulsive eater, um, and I'm so grateful to be here this morning. I um, I really love this paragraph where it says, um, it had this power originated in him. Obviously not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me in that moment, and there was none at all. Um, I know that I had to admit complete defeat. And I think of the first six tenets of the program before the steps were even written um, on page 263 where they're listed, um, complete deflation. And for me, I had to have complete deflation of my ego of thinking that I could muster up the power somehow, somewhere, um, doing something um, to get it. And um, it was always there for me, but I always was in the way. So I'm no longer in the way, and I'm very grateful to um, have worked through my um, step nine, now living in 10, 11, and 12, and I know this is where my power comes from, having a conscious contact with my higher power and um, having having um, my higher power strength put down my food and put down my will. Um, there's only one will in my life today. It's my higher, higher power's will, and that's where I need to um, show up every day and ask that I will be done. I um, am... Um, in the process of making a decision with my husband that has been um, tedious and maybe costly. And um, it normally would create a lot of fear, something like this, in my life. And I have concern, but I keep praying that prayer, God's will be done. And I know that my higher power is here for me, just like he has been here for me um, in in my program to um, be able to to live in harmony and peace with um, God's will and also um, with others. So I thank everybody for being here, for um, for all of us this morning, and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Melanie, would you please read A Vision for You? Yes, thank you. Good morning. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.